ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy. I ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot. I ain't really got a lot of thoughts, I just pack them in a box. So I popped up on this pod, now I'm outside of the box. When I pop up on the clock, last thing I think is talk. See, I'm winning it now, loving it three and a thou. They peeping my style, keeping it now, steadily growing my Dow Jones. Oh no, these kids be thinking they prowl. Oh no, no, immediately throwing the towel. See, when it's different, it's different. Go position by position, ain't no issue commission. As a commission, I just listen. They envision my vision and my division. I'm stealing, cause I be willing and dealing. Find me the trade, cause I'm a fiend. I'm a junkie, ayy, and I'm a junkie, ayy. Ain't no denying my supply, I'm a junkie, ayy. See, I'm a junkie, ayy, and I'm a junkie, ayy. Be getting high off my supply, I'm a junkie, ayy. Yo, 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 here we are, another episode of dynasty junkies i am so sorry to inform the listeners that not only is there no rocky petrella tonight no andrew hall no bobby Koch. you are stuck with me unfortunately for you and so we wanted to kind of balance that out here for episode 104 and we've got an amazing guest tonight that surely should uh help balance out not having any of the better hosts on um and so you know let's just let's just get right into that episode 104 we've got um not only one of the best minds in the industry one of the craziest patreons in the just by uh activity let's say tons of people everything going on there one of the best podcasts that i always listen to every single episode haven't missed one probably in two years uh and also my friend Mr. at Charles Chill FFB, Scott Connor. I've been on Scott's show, Dynasty and Chill, and I get to finally have him on here tonight on Junkie. So what's up, Scott? Thanks for joining me tonight, man. Yeah, it's a Junkie, uh, Scott Squared Junkie episode. So I'm, I'm ready for it. Always always great to uh, to chop it up with the portfolio Dynasty player. One, one of the few out there that like embraces the the idea of managing a portfolio and and rounding strategy around that versus hey what player do you want to pick or what 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 trade do you want to make it's all about what's my portfolio say how will my balance in it out so good to be here that's right man i appreciate you coming on and uh yeah i i listen to a lot of podcasts i read a lot of stuff but when i have questions on things they are generally more um portfolio related and and kind of macro strategy and and it's it's always you that i ask <laughs> you're always the one i bother with my questions so um you know but besides the patreon which is amazing um it's kind of like my adopted patreon since we don't have one here obviously um but every time i like have a question on something i'm thinking about it and i jump in there as like Somebody actually just asked that. That's amazing. There's already, you know, 15 people with their opinions on it. So that's great. And the other Scott as well, Scott Stevens. So we got uh, former New Jersey Devils defenseman, Scott Stevens, of course. Um, not, that's not no, actually I, I not, think of the same true, thing. But, I think of the exact but yeah, same Yeah, that's thing. what I always think of with him. Uh, but yeah, you know, the three Scots. So it's, it's a good time. I may not be super active, but man, I read like everything in there because there's so much good stuff. But why don't you uh, tell the people where they can find you? If they don't know who you are, I feel sorry for them, but let's make sure that they do. Let's make sure they're following you and uh, definitely getting into um, all of your everything you've got going on. So why don't you run down the list? 
Yeah, so at Charles Chill FFB on Twitter, that, that's probably the the primary place where you can find links to everything. Uh, do quite a few things. Uh, do the flagship podcast, which is Dynasty and Chill, like you already mentioned it. Uh, do have the Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Dynasty and Chill. Uh, get a lot of, honestly, I've shifted a lot of my content towards the, the Patreon, like just in terms of like, that's where I would say the, the real meat of like what I'm doing in the dynasty space. That's where it is. A lot of the strategy stuff, a lot of the in-depth stuff, a lot of the like in real time stuff is there. Uh, the, the regular dynasty and chill is really just me to be able to chop it up with smart people. And, you know, it's one of those shows. If you ever listen to dynasty and chill, it's every episode's like two hours long, just cause we talk and talk and talk, but that's more of just like catching up with somebody and picking their brain. You know, it isn't as much like, Hey, let's get into the weeds in talking about portfolio strategies and stuff. Like we'll hit that, but it's more of just kind of like macro keeping involved in the space. So patreon.com slash dynasty and chill other shows. I mean, I do dynasty trades in five. We're trying to grow that on YouTube. Uh, it's totally different. And uh, it's actually become a pretty good success uh, for and it's our, not five uh, minutes by the way if that's what yeah, you're thinking really that was the not. intent the intent was <laughs> hey it's gonna be a five minute show and of course i of course i'll agree to five minutes a day and then yeah. we start getting into it and it's like oh every show is now 25 minutes long and they take 50 minutes to record and the magic of the editing afterwards somehow cuts it down to like 20 to 25 minutes but yeah dynasty trades in five uh, we do a live stream every saturday night and it's just trade after trade after trade uh, th- those are really fun. We have a pretty, pretty loyal fan base or a pretty loyal subscriber base over there. So check that out on YouTube. Uh, it's trades in five on YouTube and then mannequin chill. I do that for DLF, just Shane and I, whenever we feel like talking, we literally are like, Hey, instead of talking on the phone or texting, let's just record. And then people follow and listen. So it's kind of amazing how people just follow you and, and tune into your live streams. Uh, and then I have another show. I'll, I'll announce that pretty shortly on Twitter, but it's on a different feed with a different network, uh, but it'll be a little bit different. It'll definitely be more of the in the weed strategy stuff that I think people like from Dynasty and Chill. So I hope that's the rundown. Awesome. Yeah, I'm looking looking forward to that for sure. Can't wait for just more, you know, always more content, right? Always uh, good stuff. But yeah, whether you like the audio or the video, there's something that definitely there for the people. So um, always good stuff on that. Um, Tonight, I want to get into a couple of different topics and just like we do on your show, we're just going to, you know, we'll, we'll kind of, we'll kind of wing it, you know, with a general guideline here, but essentially I don't want to talk about, um, I do want to talk about portfolio discussion a little bit, but I don't want to do like, I don't want to do, like you said, get in the weeds and I don't really want to do like overarching strategies and things like that. Um, you know, if if you refer to Dynasty and Chill episodes 92 and 127, I am the guest on both of those. So, yes, I am in the two. Um, I don't think that's quite the Yellow Jacket Club yet, but it is a multi-time guest on Dynasty and Chill. So I'm very proud of that. Uh, but we do talk a little bit more macro strategy there. So for for our, our uh, portfolio listeners, those are definitely a couple episodes you want to check out. Um, again, episodes 92 and 127. Um, but I have a couple of specific questions for you as a portfolio player. Um, I try to touch on, I mean, that's kind of my thing, right? That's kind of what I bring to this podcast. So I'm touching on that with whatever topics we're covering every night. Um, but what I what I do want to ask you is, you know, for someone who's so strategic and we're always looking for value and, um, 
there's a lot of complaints this time of year too. Like some guys are like, Oh, people aren't paying attention or there's not a lot of activity or, you know, whatever, because guys like us don't typically tend to overreact or even react at all to some of the news that comes out this time of year news, if you want to call it, you know, in quotes, um, I certainly could care less about every guy who's in the best shape of his life or who's making one-handed catches and shorts and things like that. I mean, none of that is relevant to me unless of course I could maybe capitalize on somebody I want to sell. Um, but what are you doing this time of year? It's middle of July. It's kind of the dog days. Um, you know, eventually we'll get to training camp and stuff and, and then we'll just start getting excited for the season. And I think maybe there'll be more tweaking of rosters and things like that. But like, what are you doing this time of year? Is it any different? Is there, is there anything, maybe you're not doing anything. I don't know. What, what is it that, that you do or don't do this time of year? Yeah, it's an interesting question because I think there's a really practical answer. And then there's a, what should I be doing a little bit more than I'm probably doing? So that's what I would give on a podcast. Yeah, or if someone point. asked me like, what are you doing? I'm, well, of course, I'm going to say I'm doing this every single day in every single league. And I'm spending, you know, multiple hours a day checking each league to make sure it's set up optimally. But we know that's not reality, right? Like, that's just Definitely. not reality. I'm, I'm, unfortunately, I'm at the point where, I, of course, I said I'm going to cut down on leagues. Doesn't everybody say that? And I don't. we've had this discussion, know, too, about what's our, you know, on one of the episodes we did in the past, you know, what's your capacity? Once you get up to a certain number it doesn't take yeah. a whole lot to add another one. It really just comes down to like, how much can you afford? And do you enjoy playing in the league? Like, I don't want to necessarily add 10 more uh, of the exact same format that I'm already in. Like I want to try some new things. I want to try sure. different startups, different, different types of leagues. Uh, but then I ended up, you know, you get the itch and you do another one and another one and another one. Like I started to get into sleeper because I think there's a lot of like untapped activity on sleeper that, you don't mm -hmm. necessarily find if we just go like in our Patreon and it's like, who wants to start a league? Well, right. We could start a league every single day in the Patreon in probably an hour. Right. Yet then you know how much work you and I probably have to put in to beat 10 other people from the DNC Patreon. It's With like, we'd have to same, grind yeah, right. because yeah. if, if we're not able to grind that day, some two other people have gotten, or at least might get the trade we're trying to get, you know? And it's like, so it's not that I don't want to play with those people, but I think there's untapped potential in some other places. So I've started getting into no sleeper. Doubt. I've done a couple sleeper startups. And so I'm doing that, uh, but I've added a lot of leagues. I'm to the point where I'm almost at 60 now. And okay. I've, I've tried to focus on cutting out some of the smaller buy-in leagues and making sure they're all at a point where it's like, okay, if I can't win, you know, X amount of dollars, we don't need to get into dollars and cents necessarily, but if I can't yeah. win X amount of dollars, I the way I play is one speed. And I, if, if the most I can win is 200 bucks, <laughs> I don't necessarily want to play that one speed. You're, you're going to put the same effort in. So why not win more? Right. Than, so yeah, it's, it's kind of like, Hey, those, and you know what? There is a, we could do a whole show on like kind of the, the graduation in dynasty. There is somebody out there that wants to play in a $25 league that would take over your team. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know what? So I've, I've gone to the point where I've gone through some leagues and said, Hey, I'm going to give those teams away. I'll, I'll buy an extra buy-in for somebody next year. You know what I mean? To yeah, like, for sure. You take I've over the team and it. then yeah. I'll go, I'll go join another league. That's a, you know, $200 startup or something like that. That gives me a little more ROI and gives me a higher upside if I'm ending up winning. So there's that. 
to answer your actual question, what should you be doing? I think you go through and you figure out based on your format, based on your settings, based on your scoring, what is the optimal build? What is the optimal roster construction? And how do I get there without completely overhauling my team? Like if I have a team and I say, this is my optimal roster construction and I'll plug this. Cause I just did this show a couple weeks ago, a super flex super show with uh, John Hogue. Yeah. It was and an I, awesome episode by the way. I talked about a lot of the like core principles that I focus on when I'm doing a league. So if I'm identifying that and I go, this is where I want to be in this format, but let's say I know it's going to take me 15 trades to get there. Like it's just a mess somehow I've gotten myself in a mess and I need to fix it. Is that really a league that's worth putting in the effort to get there? Or is it kind of better off Mm. maybe letting that one erode a little bit tank to the bottom worry about it next year when things are maybe a little more easy to get done. So I think you have to kind of be looking at that like, okay, is this a contending team? I pride myself on trying to literally contend in 95% of my leagues. Even my leagues where I go, I'm probably not a top three team. I'm getting myself to the narrowest of margins in terms of like roster construction. Like I'm getting to the point where I need to be in almost every league. If things don't shape up where I end up getting to a point where I contend, oh well. I'll kind of fall towards the bottom when we get to the season, but I don't want to be leaving like meat on the bone. I don't want to be leaving necessarily things on the table with like too many extra receivers or a bunch of filler players that I don't need. So that's what I'm doing. I'm literally going through teams going, where can I really grind like the last couple roster spots and hit the optimal roster construction going into training camps and preseason. And a lot of that's running backs. A big thing you can do right now, if you have a, couple weeks and you have a portfolio of teams literally go through and calculate like what is your quote unquote threshold for receivers anybody above that get rid of so like the Nikhil Harry's of the world literally take anything you can get fab dollars a third round pick a third round pick in 2024 get them off your team you have a window of like a week where there's actually somebody that might give you something for them I've seen many people trade him for thirds done. It doesn't even matter the format. That's the type of move where you would agree. You have like seven to 10 days to make that move. And then he's last week's news and no one wants him anymore. Right. Unless he flashes in the preseason or something, which I mean, it's possible, but that's what I'm doing. And then the second part of the answer, keeping long winded is where can I then go look at teams that are already set up the way that I want and bet against, okay, I have a bunch of 2023 first, which ones do I want to move? Which ones am I willing to bet? What am I, which ones am I so confident right now that I'm willing to bet against this first being outside of the top eight picks? If that's the case, those are the ones I might be shopping to see if there's a team that looks at their roster and goes, oh man, I'm just looking at my team really closely for the first time since February. Because of course I didn't have any rookie picks or whatever, uh, but I should probably be, I don't have any quarterbacks. I should probably be selling like Nick Chubb, like right. that type of player. And so I'm looking for those opportunities where, okay, let me check the trade baits. Let me check the chats. Is there anybody that has blowing it up or looking for picks? Those are the ones I'll send an aggressive offer out. Like, Hey, I'll send you my 23 first, but I want, you know, two players that I think can help me this year and just see if I can get any trade action going. But I've identified those leagues as I'm comfortable trading my pick now before the season to see what I can get. So that's the other thing I'm looking for. Do you have a list of players per se, or do you have a number 
in mind of about how many players right now that you'd give up a 23 first for? Do you have an idea of? Yes, yes. Unfortunately, my list is a lot slimmer than I think the the majority of the okay. managers or the market. Well, but don't you think that's prudent? Like, if yes. if they're so valuable and they're gaining value, I mean, why why would you? You know, or why wouldn't you? I guess you know. So yeah, I would say mine would be probably narrower too. Well, here's the so here's the theory behind it. I am looking at a list right now. I haven't updated my list in a couple of weeks, but it's less than twenty five players. It's expanded okay, maybe about a half okay. a dozen players since the okay. rookie drafts. But like you throw out a player, and I'll give you an example, like T Higgins. There's a lot of people that would go, I would trade a late first for T Higgins. Oh yeah. And, oh, and yeah. I go, okay, he's right on the fringe on the right team with the right spot, with the right stack. Maybe if I have burrow and I'm, you know, short a receiver or short, like a threshold receiver, I might send that offer, but that is not a, smash except for any 23 first that you send okay. me okay. because the only thing I can lose on a deal like that is what if I lose the opportunity to buy the player? That's it. Like, I don't think that price is going to change a whole lot between now yeah. and yeah. end of Good August, mm-hmm. but here's what you lose. And this is, I've, I've lost a couple of deals like this already. There was a trade that went down for Christian McCaffrey. And that's been a guy I've been trying to, you know, identify these like, eight, 10 leagues where I'm willing to trade my first. Can I get another McCaffrey share? Cause I think I only have one out of like 55. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's low. So, so yeah. I'm like, I want maybe one or two more going into the sure. season. The guy put him on the block and I'm like that. This is actually one I would consider making the offer, but I kind of balked a little bit and I saw that there were some other running backs that people were trying to trade. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to make the offer right this second. He ends up getting traded like two days later. And I think I could have paid the price that he ended up going for, but I just lost because now one of the very few players on my list is gone. Yeah. Right. So that's one where I lost because now one of the few opportunities to make that move passed me by. So now I have to hope he either comes available in another league or I have to go, well, man, I missed out. So let me go down a tier to a player. I'm even more uncomfortable trading the first four and force a trade. You know what I mean? So it's putting mm-hmm. me in, in like a, a less than optimal position. And that's what the risk is. I mean, you can always tell yourself, well, Hey, why would I give up a first for Nick Chubb? I can probably buy him during the season. And I would rather wait until week five. And I see which running backs a suck B haven't got hurt, then put my first out there and go, okay, this guy's smashing. Let me buy now. Even if I have to pay 10 to 20% more, it's once I it. see it happening yeah. and I see what their offense looks like, I'm much more comfortable buying then. But sometimes you miss out on those opportunities. Like guys, just people aren't necessarily going to be selling. And this could be one right. of the years in 2023 where the sellers may identify themselves before the season. All of those teams are then going to tank. And then there might not be a lot of opportunities to buy until like week 10, week 11, week 12. And then you've missed out on a lot of the games you could use those players. So I think that that's the kind of the conundrum of me not making moves right now when I know there may be limited options for me to actually make moves. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I think that makes sense. And I think uh, just going back a step, you had said something earlier about the wide receiver threshold. And I, I think that's something you talked about with uh, Hogue um, on that podcast. But that really clicked for me on a few rosters. Um then I was like, I don't know what to do with these teams. Like they're, they're fine, but what moves can I make right now? Like, I don't know. I'm just chilling. Right. But then it was like, 
oh, uh, wait a minute. Yeah, look at I have three guys in this roster that I will probably never start for me. So like, yeah, maybe I like them, you know, whatever. Uh, but I'm never going to use them. Like they're never going to play. So what are they doing for me? And I mean, I, I was able to, I traded two of them with the, uh, I just updated my auto accept trade block and boom, two of them gone, picked up. Uh, I think I got a second and a fourth um, for those. And great. And I have a couple extra picks uh, to work with during the season and it's an active league. So I know I'll be able to use them um, as we, you know, if my team turns out to be a contender, um, but that, that was such a, uh, eye-opening thing that like, I have always said to people, you know, why would you have, uh, you know, I don't know, let's pick a guy like Rondale Moore or something. And maybe he's not the greatest example, but it's like, how are you going to know when to start that guy? Cause I used to always say like Deshaun Jackson back in the day, like he's going to win you probably two games every year, but how are you going to know which games? Uh, and I know some seasons he was a little bit more consistent than others, but those type of players that are the home run hitters, the wide receiver threes on their own team, uh, maybe don't have a path to, uh, you know, without maybe extreme injuries, you know, a path to relevancy. Um, just o- overall, like just looking at the end of my roster and going, I can clear two roster spots right now from guys that I'll never, I think, you know what? I think one of the guys you said was Sterling Shepard. And I did the same thing uh, like a month ago or maybe even longer than that without even thinking about it. Cause I go, here's the 30 year old receiver coming off a of torn Achilles that is on a team full of Sterling Shepherds with a terrible quarterback and a new offense. What am I ever going to use this guy? Right. And I was just able to, I think I ended up flipping him for a running back. It was a best ball league. So a little bit different, but my point is I didn't really need that guy. He's my eighth wide receiver or whatever. What is the point of having him on my roster? So this is a good time of year to do things like that because people are excited about, Oh, I really liked his profile in college or, you know, I like that player and I see his upside or whatever. And you can kind of determine, you know, what that upside is going to be. But ultimately most of those guys are never going to hit. So why are they on your roster? Why do you have, you know, Byron Pringle on your roster? Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, why? Why? Well, I'll give you a better example of a player that's really fits the, this is the prototypical player for this example. James Washington. Okay. Had some pedigree. Yes. Yes. He is on a team that has an efficient quarterback that could be a high volume situation. He has an outside receiver that's probably going to be out the first half of the season with Gallup. And his only other competition for like wide receiver two or probably wide receiver three is Jalen Tolbert. So a lot of people are going like, okay, I kind of like stashing James Washington. Now, what I would do is this. I would go through and go, it's pretty clear, unless you're literally asleep, that James Washington's probably going to have a shot at some point to get on the field for Dallas, right? Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people can kind of see that. So I'll go through and I'll spam James Washington for a third. Now, 0% 0% of people will accept that. But I bet you every one of those people that declined will pick them up off waivers if I cut them. Right? Yeah. So yep. clearly there's some value there where, okay, yeah, I saw James Washington got cut. They look at it, they see him on waivers, and they go, that guy's probably worth picking up, right? Because, well, he could have a role on Dallas. He was a former second-round pick. He has some pedigree. Okay, he's worth picking up. I'll give him four games to see if he does anything. So I can't get a third. 
But I also face this same situation where if I hold him into the season, he's probably not a guy that I'm counting on at all. He's not going to be in my opening day lineup. If he has a good game opening day, probably what's going to happen is I'm going to think about playing him in week two. And you know he's probably one of those guys where as soon as you play him, he doesn't do anything. So he's on your bench the next week. So all of a sudden, you don't know when to play him. And there really isn't a path other than him being the one out of 50 players that just hits in a new spot and then sustains and sustains and sustains. And you're like, okay, I, I missed. I whiffed. But literally, that's like one out of 50. So low odds. And yeah. and the other 49, you lost so much equity by holding them and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting that you actually lost a lot more across your portfolio by not making that move on a large scale, whoever it is. I acknowledge that out of every 50, I'm probably going to miss on like two to five of these guys. But the idea is I'm going to cut. I'll, I'll go through. I cut Robbie Anderson a month ago in a league where he's my wide receiver 11. And people yeah. go, oh, that's dumb. You could probably get a third for Robbie Anderson now. And I go, okay, yeah, I missed. But you know what? I couldn't get a third at the time. And guess what? Someone blew like 20% of their fab the next day to pick up Robbie <laughs> yeah. Anderson. And you know what? Now Robbie Anderson is that team's problem on their roster. That's right. When are they going to start him? You know what I mean? And so it's go through your teams. If you're going to do one thing, it's kind of calculate what you think the threshold is. If you look at a player and you go, hey, I can start up to six receivers in this league. And I can't envision this player that I'm about to hit cut on being a top. I'll, I'll, I'll be conservative. I'll say like a top 50 producer. It doesn't take that much to be a top 50 producer. That's like nine points a game. Okay. Right. But if you tell yourself a guy can't get there, go through and make a list of all the dynasty receivers. And you know what? I bet you if you went through and I said, can you squint and tell yourself this guy could score nine points a game? How many players would you end up on that list? Most people would end up with like 90. Easily. And I go, well, you know what? There's not going to be 90 receivers that score 15, that score nine points per game. So establish your threshold and get rid of everybody else. You're much better off carrying backup quarterbacks, backup running backs, or just open roster spots during the season. So I think that that's one exercise you can do that I've really focused on going through and like, oh, I have Denzel Mims on two teams. Why? You know, I have Nikhil Harry on one team. Why? You know, another one like Paris Campbell. Why do I have Paris Campbell on a team? Well, you know what? Yeah. He, he could be yeah. the wide receiver three in the Colts, Scott. Don't you know that? Sure. Sure. Yeah. It, but you know what? Yeah. And that means somebody should give me a third. And if yeah. no one will give me a third, do you know where he goes? Gone. And so I've, I've, I've cut some names and people are like, dude, you know, why are you cutting Paris Campbell? I'm like, well, it, it, this is all process. So uh, long winded, but yeah, this, this is where the process comes. No, from. that's yeah, that's great. It, it totally makes sense. And I mean, the thing is, it's the way that you had put it, which is essentially what you just summed up. It just made sense in my mind after all these years of, you know, and people say, oh, should I draft this guy or this guy or trade for this guy or whatever? And, uh, you know, when are you going to know when to start him? So why would you, why would you want him on your roster? And so here I am like giving that advice all these years, but not even realizing like on my own teams, I should probably get rid of those guys too. Right. So, I mean, and sure you might have a couple of the young guys, you know, like a Nico Collins or something like if you really like Nico Collins and you think he can be great, cool. Keep him. I'm not saying like just cut everybody that's, you know, unlikely to start for you, but um, especially the vets, there's a lot of the names we mentioned where Robbie Anderson, Sterling Shepard, you know, those guys are, we, we know what they are. 
you know, what are the chances? Would anybody be shocked if Sterling Shepard was like a wide receiver three this year? Like, no, I don't think anybody would be shocked. It's like, yeah, Sterling Shepard, he's fine. He's not great. We know what he is, you know, but at the same time, what are the chances of that? It's just so low. And so I just, I, I don't, why would I ever roster him at this point? So yeah, I totally I totally get that. I think it just makes so much sense, and uh, it's given me something to do here over the last few weeks to go through my rosters and kind of shave that down because then I can go pick up the, you know, the the Ty Chandlers and the Snoop Connors and the you know whoever else that you know might give me a couple games, uh, or maybe there's some sort of you know trade injury uh suspension you know whatever it may be that opens up opportunity for those guys because just like a few years ago when all of a sudden fournette got cut it's like okay well nobody's nobody else is there so it's james robinson like we know that's what's happening whereas you know if uh you know Gallup doesn't come back and tolbert sucks right away we don't know it's going to be james washington that's going to get all the targets you know it's just different with receiver um whereas running back we kind of have a better idea of who might get those unless of course they're on the patriots or the 49ers or any of those trees but uh i think you get my point on that well two Um, things to sum it up just just to finish on this one uh you always get more equity with a running back for exactly what you said they're easier to figure out when to play but i think the real secret value of running backs is you get an outcome quicker you will know a running back, A, where they stand on the depth chart right away. Most teams only carry three running backs. About half the teams in the NFL carry four. So if you have a guy that's on the outside looking in, you're going to know that the first week of September. You're not going right. to have to hold the player on your roster for eight weeks to realize that Keelan Cole is not in the Raiders four wide receiver rotation. So that's just a player where you're like, okay, I don't even get the information I want right away. I have to wait and hold this player for a month before I really know where his line is going to be for his spot on his team. So that's the first thing. If, if you like a, a running back that's a sleeper and he gets cut by the team and doesn't sign anywhere with a week, within a week, he's off your dynasty roster. There is, there is no waiting. Oh, he's, he's got a good profile. Nope. He's got good right. size. No, he, he is not one of the top 135 running backs in the NFL. You can cut him. And you can buy back when he signs somewhere. So that's the first thing. The second thing, you nailed the point. Remember this for future years. Don't draft yourself into these problems. Yes, yes. Don't don't yes. look and go, oh, man, Justin Ross fell. I, let me draft him. Khalil Shakir, dude, he's a steal. Danny Gray, he's a steal. Let me pick him up in my rookie draft. No, you're basically what you're doing is you're creating these problems for yourself down the road. And... You know, pick your spots. I have a few players that I'm willing to to keep in this range, like Kendrick Bourne, KJ Osborne. Like, there's oh, a few Osborne, that yeah, I'm willing to keep those guys. But like, the problem with drafting like Danny Gray is when do you cut bait? What has right. to happen? Right. Like Justin Ross is a perfect example. What has to happen to Justin Ross? Because you know what? If he makes a play in the preseason and the Chiefs say he's going to be the sixth receiver on the team, what are you going to do? You're going to hold him all year. Of course. And then you're going to go, well, I'll reassess next year. And I go, no, well, basically what you're doing is you're just bleeding money because you're holding him on a roster spot. He's not good enough to be useful, but he's too good to allow you to cut bait earlier, which means you're actually losing money in the transaction. So you nailed it. Don't, don't draft yourself. I mean, almost say if it's past the second round of my rookie draft, 
like I let me gray out the receivers in my league. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yes. and pick, yes. pick the one or two guys that you're willing to bet on and portfolio those guys. Get them in 10 leagues just in case they pop. But if not, don't be drafting every day three receiver and go, well, I'll hit on one out of ten. That's I that is the one thing that maybe my biggest change I made this year in rookie drafts over the past because love Justin Ross. Love him. He's uh, he's like my first Devi player I ever had. Uh, you know, hashtag big Clemson wide receiver as outhouse says, um, something like that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I love Justin Ross and like, he's got a great story and like, oh man, you're rooting for the kid. But like, what do I do if he's on my team? You're right. I'll never freaking cut him. So he's just, a, you know, wasting a roster spot essentially. Yeah. That's, that's huge. That's huge for me. That, that changed everything. Cause I would have had so many Khalil Shakurs and so many Justin Ross and so many Romeo dubs and so many that, you know, and they're, they're all probably, you know, they'll all probably never do anything, but in the case that they do, it's just so low odds and I can always find replaceable guys anyway. Um, I wanted to ask you a little bit, actually, I kind of wanted to get like some final thoughts. This is going to be a little bit different um, than probably any other topic on any podcast, but you did a episode 137 on June 20th with our good friend, Kyle Senra. Um, you talked about auction strategy and startup auction strategy. And I wanted to touch on it right now because I think, in my opinion, this time of year is kind of the second most popular start. You know, you got a lot of people that do them early. Um, like I like to do some early because I want to capitalize on maybe the mistakes that I made from last year and or just kind of get ahead of the market for the next year. Um, but then also it's this time of year, some guys trying dynasty for the first time. It's, you know, it's also starting to get into redraft season, right? So we're going to get some dynasty startups and there have been a handful of, uh, I've gotten quite a few questions and seen even just on Twitter and some of the chats I'm in, people are doing auction startups and wondering about strategy. So, uh, dynasty and chill episode 137. That was a great overview. Um, something I wish I had listened to before I did that three startup with Bosch, where there's three copies and or two copies and all sorts of weird stuff. I don't even want to get into that, honestly. Uh, I, I massively screwed up that team and roster, and so that should be fun to fix. Um, I, so I want you, uh, you know, I don't want you to like recap the whole episode, but essentially if you had to come up with like a couple of key points and, or a couple of final thoughts, cause I'm sure like I do after I talk to somebody on a podcast, I always think of something later, like, oh, I wonder if this, or I should have mentioned that, you know, anything like that, anything that comes to mind that you can, um, you can throw out to the people for some auction startup info. Yeah, I think one of the, the main takeaways, and I, I wish it was one of those topics where Kyle and I talked about doing it for a while, and we probably, I, I probably could have even expanded it and done another like two hours or more on the topic because there's so much to cover. And it's so, yeah. the interesting thing with an auction is you can get really close to your optimal roster construction or your optimal build much easier than you can in a snake draft 
uh, because it's not linear, obviously, you don't have like an obvious board where everyone can track what you're doing. So a lot of times you can get there without really everybody noticing until you get to the end and you're like, damn, that guy built a really good team and he set himself up for, you know, X, Y, and Z. And you can see where a couple people in auctions will come away with a team and you're like, damn, you know, how, how did you end up getting those 16 backup running backs? And you, you actually have a decent running back room and you did it for, you know, you spent 11% of the money that I did. And, you know, you, yeah. you actually have a running yeah. back room that if you get lucky could match you know, half the running back rooms in the league and you didn't spend anything. Meanwhile, people are out here spending, you know, 19% of their money on Najee Harris, you know, and I mean, he's great, but in a snake draft, it's hard to get there, you know, because everyone right. can see the board and you only pick every 12 picks or every 14 picks. And a lot of times, like you'll see trends, you'll see runs, like that's a thing in snake drafts, especially. Uh, and in auctions, you can kind of fly under the radar a little bit and you can you can come out of it with your roster construction that you intended usually a lot easier if you budget right uh, i think my mistakes in past auctions has been really forget about the players you're bidding on and kyle talked about this on the podcast really you in a startup draft it's fine to say like okay i only pick once here and then i don't pick again for 20 spots i want this player i'm gonna take him two rounds ahead of his ADP, you know, because he may not fall back to me. Go for it. In an auction, though, I really think the auction leagues, especially if you're a portfolio player and you know you have 25 other leagues, that's the league where you really focus on doing the work prior to the start of the auction. You really make sure you're dialed in in exactly what I want my roster construction to be, whatever the parameters are. You know, there's so many things that we could talk about different nuances of, well, how many players do you have to win? What's the max roster size? You know, all those things that go into it, but do the work. And Kyle talked about his strategy of basically he puts it all on a spreadsheet, creates like a massive algebraic formula of this is the parameter of the league. This is how I solve for the five variables that I don't know the answers to. And some of them you don't know till you're in the middle of the auction. Yeah. I mean, that was we've incredible. both been in auctions where like the prices are all over the place They're, you can't really look at like an auction calculator and be like, well, these are what the players should go for. And then 12 right. hours into the auction, you're like, everything's different. You have what to make a whole new, yeah. You have to make a whole new, um, guide basically, but the way Kyle laid it out and the, um, the formulas he uses, I mean, I, I would like to buy that from him because that's, yeah, <laughs> that's an incredible tool. And know? I think we probably do it differently, but at the same time, he essentially said, yeah, I have a it. formula. I have something calculated where I can constantly be adjusting based on what's on the board. And if he chooses to go over, I think he even mentioned like, sometimes you get into the auction and you know, there's a sacrifice you have to make for your roster construction. And you know, you're going to pay. 10% more than what you wanted to pay for this situation or for this player. And then you make the decision and then you adjust your personal budget based on that. So I think that is exactly what I would say if you're doing an auction is create the parameters of whatever you think, everything that goes into the league, any of the variables that you don't know, try to solve for them beforehand. Forget about players. Have like the template or the roadmap of what you want your roster construction to be and a loose idea of what you want to spend, then wait for the board to unravel and then pick the players that fit what you kind of planned on. That, 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 that was, that was my takeaway from it is like you go in auction should be where you go into it. The most flexible. 
I don't care what players I get. I'm going to leave this with perfect roster construction because I have a lot more chances to do it in an auction than I would in a snake draft where I may want to go two elite quarterbacks. And guess what? I draw the 112. And yep, 10 quarterbacks go before yep. me. That's and what it, do right. I do? You don't have a choice. I can't trade up. I've tried to trade up. I tried to trade into the top five, top six, top seven, top eight. Nobody's doing it. I have to adjust and I have no choice but to just follow the board. So then maybe That's I right. take Kyle Pitts and Justin Jefferson. That's not what I planned on. But now I have to kind of hope that things fall the same way I want in 22 more picks before I pick again. So that's what I would do in an auction is literally create the formula and start solving for it before you even start the auction. Yeah, that's, I mean, I mean, that's huge. And um, I think Kyle did now, if I did more auction startups, which I mean, I think ideally from this point forward, that's all I would have. Um, Because obviously, like you said, it's easier to do what you want to do, but um, that's the number one thing is like, everything is so different. Like, yeah, you look at, uh, you know, everybody's Scott fishbowl, um, drafts right now and they're all so different. Right. And it's the same thing with an auction. You just have no idea. Um, this three auction where any player that's not a Debbie player and not a rookie, there are three copies the weirdest thing like to me in my previous experience in auctions was that you know as the assets become you know more scarce which uh, that grammatically that does not sound right um but as you have less of like the elite players they should cost more right like you're better off getting maybe the first guy in a tier instead of waiting for the last guy because he's going to get bit up because everybody wants to get that last guy in that tier, right? And so um, in this case, everybody spent their money early and it's like the third copy was so much cheaper and like players like a Dak Prescott or a Lamar Jackson, the spread between the first copy and the third copy was like an insane amount, like... 30%. I mean, a massive difference. And now I understand it's a multi-copy league. So most people aren't going to be in that. Um, But it just kind of reminded me that like, you have absolutely no idea what's going to happen. And so you have to have some sort of parameters in which to quickly adjust based on whatever those first couple players that sell, those are going to be the most important as far as kind of setting that standard, because whether you whether you like that player or not, they kind of set the market. So if you're like, okay, well, if this player is like the, you know, quarterback five or quarterback six or whatever, let's say it's Lamar Jackson. He's the first guy that goes. And like, we kind of, as a general consensus, we'd say, okay, there's maybe three quarterbacks ahead of him. Maybe you have him six or seven, depending on where you're at. Um, But now you're not going to pay more for a guy you have later, right? You're like, well, I'm not going to pay more. If you have him as QB6 and you have Dak as QB10, you're like, well, I'm not going to pay more for Dak than was paid for Lamar. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. You're trying to build your roster construction. So like, don't really worry about that so much as you know, having your parameters and, and putting into place the strategy that you want. And I think the biggest thing that I've noticed with my auction um, rosters now is that whatever happened like two years ago in the auction startup, like nobody remembers. I mean, you know what I mean? Like maybe one thing happened that sticks out and it's funny or whatever. Somebody's like, Oh, I remember somebody way overpaid or got a steal or whatever, but it's like, 
nobody remembers if you paid six extra dollars for that one player or something like that. I mean, you probably don't even remember. So don't worry about it too much. Like definitely have some control. Um, you know, make sure you're, you know, maybe have a budget. Uh, but I don't think you necessarily have to go like, oh, I have to spend 30% on quarterbacks and I have to spend 20% on running backs. Like, you know what? Don't worry about that because you don't know how it's going to go or, you know, what they're going to, um, you just don't know. So why, why lock yourself into those things? Same thing. Like you said, you go into a snake draft and you go, I want two elite quarterbacks, but now you're at the end of the draft. Like you just have, you have to adjust and you have to maybe not worry so much about what you paid or how, how that turned out initially, because now two years later you have the roster you want and you're smashing the league and it didn't, it didn't matter. You know, uh, I think people maybe worry a little bit too much about the optics of it, as opposed to just executing their strategy. Yeah. And I think two of the things we talked about on that show that are just massive swingers when it comes to like auction strategy is one, like what are the minimums and maximums you can leave the auction with? I've been in, I've been in leagues where literally they expand the rosters to like 60 and you can win 60 players. Now there's obviously yeah. a cutdown, there's a cutdown date at some point, but if you just told me for three months, we're doing the auction in June and for three months I can hold 60 players there's going to be different strategy there than if you tell me the yeah, most I can win is 28. Point. Good point. Cause that yep. means I can probably win 30 extra players that I may find 10 trades where I can get seconds and thirds and kick that value to the future. And I wouldn't be able to keep them anyway, but because there's ability to kind of hoard the market on usable players, you may want to budget differently. The other thing is, can you trade auction dollars? Like if you can trade auction dollars, it's almost impossible to budget and track it and have a plan and stick to the plan the whole time. You know, like literally I've seen auctions where you can trade auction dollars. Someone will win a player for like $68 and a day later they'll trade them for like 50 and they actually won the trade because 50 can buy more in 48 hours than it could have 48 hours ago. And you're like, well, why would you do that? And it's like, if you are, are up on, some sort of formula or calculation like Kyle was talking about, you realize like, dude, I spent way overspent based on the current market on this player. The and if cost I of the dollar changes 80% of the money back, I can get a player in the same tier and buy two more players later with less than what I spent. So it's, if you can trade dollars, I, I almost in, in less apt to go into the draft with a plan other than early on, I want to buy, get the core pieces that I want. Cause I don't want to be the one scrambling when nine other people can make trades. And and then it's, you literally have to take like a day off work to focus <laughs> or, or, you know yeah. what I mean? So I think those two things are variables. And if you can trade auction dollars and there's no limits on like mins or max of how many players can be won, that's like trying to solve like a country's economy. There, there's no way to like talk it out and fix it in an hour. So you just have to really, really understand what you want to do from the one thing I can control is my roster construction and my build. Everything else, I'm kind of like, you know what? I'm just going to see how things play out. So I think you got you to factor into those things. Don't just be like, oh, I joined an auction. Cool. An hour before it starts. Hey, what are the rules again? Like, can I trade dollars or is there like a roster limit? You know what I mean? Like you got to account for all that days before you come up with your plan. So the details are important. Is that what you're telling me? In auctions, yes. Yes. Because there's a lot more details that are going to either, you know, constrain you or allow you to go crazy. In a snake draft, you, you get your 32 picks or whatever, and 
you can trade, sure, but you know, there's right. just there's a lot more constraints in a in a in a snake draft. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, any final thoughts on on auction? No, but maybe we should. Uh, but I think do a show at some point. We're gonna do. I think we're gonna do that because I think we need to continue and. Um, Oh, maybe we'll bring Kyle on for that. We'll see what he's doing. Um, but I think, yeah, if we can get us all together and maybe even kind of lay out a little bit of what it looks like, you know, not necessarily mock one, but almost kind of mock up like what, what it would look like and and um, how it could work out. I think that would be uh, very valuable um, and probably evergreen, too, for the most part. So I think that's I, I think that's definitely in the future. Um. Well, it's that time of year that we're all kind of checking out Scott Fishbowl, and I am super grateful to be in it for the third year in a row. Um, after all, I was a finalist last year, and yeah, you're never going to hear the end of that because it's probably never going to happen again, so I'm going to keep saying it. Um, but I do remember not being in it and always hearing people talk about it and just thinking it was cool and different and uh always kind of curious, like you hear people like say, Oh yeah, Scott fishbowl and I'm doing the draft and all that, but they didn't really say like what they're doing or how it's going or anything like that. So, um, you don't have to spend an hour sharing your whole strategy or anything like that. But, uh, I just wanted to talk about my team a little bit and you're obviously welcome to, um, as well. I am just going to say on my team, my division, I somehow ended up with like 11 really smart people. And like, it is not going at all how the first two years went. I am not getting, there's like no value falling to me. Like it's not working out how I thought it would. Uh, it's, you know, my roster build is weird and it's totally different. And, and I mean, obviously we're kind of taking a step away from dynasty there. So you, you look at it differently, but I'm so deep into dynasty and so deep into portfolio that I sometimes just don't even understand redraft anymore. And I'm like, no way I need the points right now we're just scoring right now we're not worrying about the future um but my team has ended up very strange and i decided that i'm just going to swing for the fences guys like barkley and etn and like i'm not gonna worry about like if i finish 3000th you know i i don't care like it's i want to try to win so i'm kind of swinging for the fences but uh, there's been some scoring changes and a couple little things but mostly it's the same as the last couple years couple minor tweaks I'm just curious for you uh, if it's going the way you thought it would. And if you notice any difference this year, like, do you feel like every year the community just gets, um, th they just get that much, you know, I don't know if it's smarter, but I mean that much more, uh, they have that much more knowledge that, you know, there's so many resources. There's, uh, there's no such thing as a sleeper. There's no such thing as, you know, pulling one over basically. Right. So it's like you really have to do something wildly different than not just your team, but you have to be thinking, you know, oh, there's 3000 teams in this thing. So if I want to win, I have to just be so different. And I'm finding that much harder this year than the past couple. Are you seeing the same thing? Yeah, I think, I mean, obviously the competition has gotten stronger. There's more players. It's over 3000 teams. Uh, we also have a ton of people out there that are tracking ADP. There's tools. So it's like, you know, you can go through, and I started doing that going, okay, you know what? I didn't do a lot of prep for Scott Fishbowl. I maybe yeah, did like 15 minutes or so. I do do a lot of other redrafts, so a lot of like high stakes redraft, but it's different. You know, you're, you're trying to beat 3,000 teams. And actually, it, we were, 
I remember messaging you before the semifinals last year. We were yeah. both, we were both, I'm like, man, and I think it was actually after Sunday night football where I was like, I needed something to happen on Monday night to win. I ended so up finishing close. second and I didn't get to the, you know, the final table like you did, but I'm sitting there going like, you know, it is really hard to, it actually isn't that hard to make the playoffs. You know what I mean? If you just kind of know what you're doing and you're active uh, and I have a lot of experience doing redraft myself, like in high stakes. So I kind of think I can just go in it and maybe have a shot at the playoffs, but it is extremely hard to get to the finals. You essentially have to win like two additional weeks where you are finishing. It's, it's almost like the same odds as winning a one out of 12 redraft league. Advancing right. to the playoffs, you know, like and, and and there's so much variance that goes into those individual weeks. I have really taken kind of the best ball approach this year and focused on building my team for those weeks for the correlation in the playoff weeks and also finding spots where, okay, I'm going to abandon ADP here because, you know, that even if I have the the nuts team going into the playoffs, if all I do is follow ADP and try to get as much value as I can, you know what? There's probably some other teams that are in the playoffs that do did the same, same thing. thing. Yep. So like mm-hmm. we, not that we're going to have the same type of teams, but they necessarily didn't try to correlate their rosters. They just took like best value, best value, best value. And I'm sitting here going like, okay, I'm going to try to find some correlation. And I think a lot of people are thinking this way. I'm not like, certainly not like one of the few that's doing this. A lot of people I've heard yeah. um, are taking this similar approach, but you know, I'm looking at like just, same type of roster construction rules I'd use for dynasty, except for picking my spots where I'm going to really go for the upside or really go for the correlation. So like I reached on Mac Jones and I reached on Hunter Henry. Okay. I wanted those two together. Do yeah. they have super high upside? I don't know, but you know what? I've committed that that's one of the places where I'm going to try to be different. And I think I reached like 15 spots on ADP to get both. And for for those uh, listeners that don't know, I do want to mention like the reason Mac Jones is so valuable is because you essentially have to hit 66% accuracy to score zero points. So if you're below that, you're going negative. Uh, And so being above that is a huge advantage. And I don't think people really, my first year in Scott Fishbowl was the first year that that rule was in place. So I didn't know any different and I had no choice, but to build it that way, people were kind of thinking, Oh, well last year and blah, blah, blah. And I, I just remember thinking like, well, no, why would you take, you know, whatever Zach Wilson obviously wasn't there three years ago, but named some crappy quarterback that had a low completion percentage. Why are you taking that guy? You're going to get negative points all the time, especially if he doesn't rush, like it, it makes no sense. Um, and I think that's really important to know that like, the Mac Joneses, the Jared Goffs, um, you know, Kirk Cousins, like all those guys were were above that 66% mark last year. And that was very valuable in this format. So it's not like your typical just, oh, it's a PPR league. You know, it's it's different. So you have to really consider those factors. And the tight ends have an advantage, too, because not only do they get double the points, on receptions but they get double the points on first downs as well so they're they're incredibly valuable and that's why i built my team around tight ends this year so that was a different strategy for me i was just thinking that i'd do something different so um back to your mac jones and henry and where you're going with that well i mean i ended up getting mac jones i think at qb 22 in my league which i I actually thought was a little bit high it was higher than his ADP just because how fast the quarterbacks came off the board but it was lower in terms of where his ADP is in in quarterbacks if that makes sense and I'm just like you know what the quarterbacks are going too quickly 
and that's the one I'm going to take in this spot. I just happen to be in a spot where I could take him. But uh, I took DeAndre Hopkins as my sixth receiver, and I'm like, I can absorb the the hit on Hopkins for six weeks. If he doesn't come back, it's not going to kill me. But if he does, that's a kind of second half of the season play. Uh, and then I took, you know, Ju- I had Patrick Mahomes, so I, I chose to pick at the 103 because I wanted Mahomes, Allen, or Herbert. Uh, okay. Got Mahomes, got Juju, probably going to end up taking either Marcus Valdez-Scantling or Sky Moore, one of the two. I'd like to get all three, but probably just going to pick my lane with one of the two uh, and just roll with that. And then everything else is going to be, you know, you could you can learn. We do this in Dynasty, too. Every league is different. Not every Scott Bull, Scott Fishbowl division and conference is going to be the same, but right. you kind of get a feel of what does the waiver wire feel like in given leagues, right? And you know, there if you roster construct right, there is going to be there are going to be running backs that are available. Yeah, in Scott yep. Fishbowl. Now yep. you may have to bid on them. You may have to be a couple weeks ahead of some of them. But I think I've set my team. I mean, I have six receivers through eleven rounds. Um, I did get Javante Williams as an anchor running back. And then I also took James Cook at running back 32. Uh, and that's okay. just like pure, you know, home run, perfect RB2 right. that it could be boom or bust. I'm probably going to go take a couple more receivers, a couple more tight ends at the quarterbacks. Honestly, when you're getting down to the, you know, the low end quarterbacks, the guys, you know, the, the Trubisky's and below, I'm not necessarily sure I even want to waste a pick on them. Right. You know? Like I, th- yep. that's to the point where like I saw you took Justin Fields and I was Ugh. like, that, that's one of those guys that like Ugh. big upside. But if you just start him religiously every week, uh, I might not, like I four, might not. Right. You're, you already know he's going to eat four or five games where he's like single digits or below mm-hmm. zero, you know, and I'm hoping his rushing will balance out the negative. Right. Like exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I think that it's really, honestly, it's going to be just, the team that wins is going to have kind of a mix of all these things, good value, uh, roster construction, but ultimately, man, like to get from week 15 to week 17, when you essentially have to eliminate like 90% of the teams that made the playoffs. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. like week 16, it's so hard to get past that week, you know? Mm-hmm. So like you got to beat, I think you got to beat what I think this year, you're going to have to beat like 20 teams. One out of 20 is going to, is going to get there. That's where I lost year one. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like, how do you plan for that? You can look at the schedules that week and kind of shoot for the correlation based on, okay, you know what, if I have this team playing that team, you just bet on that game. You know, like there's some of the best ball principles that you hear a lot of people talking about this year, trying to win the underdog tournaments. It's the same thing. Like I can pick a good team, but ultimately I'm going to need like so much luck and we don't get a hundred entries at Scott Fishbowl. We get one, right? So, right. like, take take your best shot, I guess. That's where I'm at, right? Well, and the and the thing is, like, you know, you go back to like wanting to have a strategy, and then where you're at. And I thought for sure because year one, what happened is I had Russell Wilson, and if you remember, that was the Russell DK year where they were just smoking that first half, and I was top twenty in scoring most of the season. I was always Scott Fish would post that every week on Twitter, like, here's your top you know, 30 teams and all of Scott Fishbowl. And I was always on that list and it was so cool. Uh, and then what happened is, you know, I just, I didn't have anything, you know, I think Camara that year too uh, was having a great year, but then that week 16 is just what killed me. Right. And I didn't have anything else to supplement. So last year I made it a point. I was like, I need two quarterbacks. I need two. 
I can't just have the one. I got to have two. And I ended up having three because I had Dak, I had Stafford, and I had Mac Jones. So those three guys never let me down. I, I don't think I had any negative weeks. I was just rolling like every every week, whether it was matchups, whether bye weeks, no matter what, I I was covered there. And that was part of the reason, obviously, that I, I did make it to the finals. But I also had a little bit different roster build. And I also had I so many receivers that... It, I just receivers fell so far the last two years. And I was kind of planning on that happening again this year. And it did not at all in my league. The reason I only ended up with one, basically one quarterback is 14 of the first 20 picks were quarterbacks. So imagine any league in the world where Jamar chase goes in the third round. Just tell me any other league in the world where Jamar chase goes in the third round. It just doesn't happen, but that's what happened here. Like it, it was just so weird. And like, there's, you know, there's only so many things you could do because you can't trade and you can't, you know, there's, there's nothing else you could do. So I, I just had to make a decision and I ended up just swinging with, at that point it was between like fields and like Zach Wilson and, you know, James Winston. And I actually, I think James might've even been gone. And I was like, geez, I mean, there's nobody else here that, that can run or has the upside. And I mean, I think everybody in this podcast knows how I feel about Justin Fields and frankly, the whole organization. So it's probably surprising to hear that I have him, but the point is I, I didn't have a, it was either, you know, take fields or take some, you know, random, I guess, wide receiver three, you know, like what, again, what's, is that guy going to be a difference maker? No, I, I have to swing for the fences. And then I end up stacking uh, both my quarterbacks with tight ends, as opposed to, um, with receivers, although I, I probably will have a couple low end receivers with those stacks too. But, um, you know, I have Dak and Schultz and I have Fields and Komet, and then I also have Mark Andrews. So I'm going to hope that just having a little bit different build, you know, gets me through with my high upside running backs too. But there's a really good chance this is an t- awful team. Like, if I had to put money on it, I'd say this is one of the worst teams. Uh, I've probably ever seen and ever fielded in any league, any year playing fantasy football for 15 years, but that's just how it goes. And you gotta be different. So I just was curious about your experience with this. And uh, I don't, I don't know if, you know, obviously not everybody feels this way, but I, I was um, like shocked, but also like proud of my division. Like they're awesome. They're so good. They're all really good and they're executing their strategies. And uh, I think they're going to have good teams. So I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. It sounds like uh, this is a team where your last couple picks are going to have to be the the players we've already bashed. So this is a, yeah, I think, I think this is going to be a James Washington and a Byron Pringle team. Byron Pringle. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. Maybe a Nikhil Harry, throw him in. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah maybe. I don't know. Probably not. But yeah, brutal. Um, all right. I want to get a couple thoughts from you on the, we have our listener league two draft, uh, in progress here. We've, we're kind of getting towards the final rounds. Uh, I've got a couple comments from the guys and then we'll do our, uh, find me trade and, and close out the night. So, um, I have the link on the show sheet there. If you want to pull that up, Scott. And so, well, I, I guess the first thing is we have to absolutely trash Corey's team because it really doesn't matter who's on it. We just, we don't like it. So um, number one, nobody likes Corey's team. It's not good. And so we'll just say that we didn't even have to say who's on it. You know, we just, we just know, sorry, Corey. Um, additionally, 
Andrew, uh, by the way, not Andrew Hall, but Andrew Ember says that me personally, he did say that I'm a genius for drafting double Atlanta quarterbacks and Baltimore tight ends. Uh, and I totally agree. I think those were brilliant, absolutely brilliant moves. So, so thank you, Andrew, for that. Um, and I, please, you know, that was facetious, right? God, I hope people know that because Rocky and I really hate the Atlanta quarterbacks and yet we ended up with both of them. So weird, weird things happen, but there they are. Um, my question for you, and this actually, this is great. It's going to come full circle here. So let's take a look at this roster real quick. Uh, mine and Rocky's roster. If you have it pulled up there, Scott, we only have five wide receivers and there's another team. Um, Drew, is it Drew? Or there is a team that has 16 receivers. Okay. So there's an opposite. There's basically an opposite team. There's another team that um, has like six and we have five. Uh, Stephen Munger's team, he has six and we have five. And then, yes, there's a team, uh, Phil, uh, Phil Manners' team. He has 16 of his 23 total players at the time. I think he may have drafted somebody since our wide receivers. <laughs> so we have two opposing strategies here. Uh, I'm curious your thoughts that <clears throat> even though it's a startup, I mean, we kind of talked about earlier, what's the point of having all these guys. Now this is a 14 team league. So it's a little bit, a little bit deeper. Right. And we are starting 11. So this is, you know, this is a man's league here. This isn't uh, you know, this isn't your mother's redraft league. Okay. Um, but curious on your thoughts on uh you know our team with five receivers and then here phil's team which is basically opposite where he basically has five players other than receivers it will first the first glimpse you know i didn't see any point per carry in this in this format so that's one of the first Correct. things i look at now you know it is start up to seven receivers six if you eliminate the super flex uh, I, I think the scott and rocky squad is in a little bit of trouble <laughs> you think uh, only because you know we talk about this wide receiver threshold uh if you want to just without going into the math of what i usually look at you know it's probably about 150 percent of what you know how many receivers you can start so in this league it would be six my goal would be to have nine quote unquote like threshold receivers pick, okay pick your cutoff maybe like top 75 ish since it's a 14 team with six you know potential wide receiver starters you can do some math on that but it's somewhere around there. Yeah. If you're talking yeah, about yeah. a 14 team. So I'm looking at this team going like, you know, and the thing is three of the five, your two of the five you have are Braxton Berrios and Devonte Parker. So they yeah. are, they probably fit the definition of <laughs> yeah. the, the, the ones you don't want, you know, the, the, the cloggers. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe yeah. Parker is right on the fringe. But, uh, let's hope, you know, I, I guess I just look at this and I'm like, okay, I, I like, you have three good receivers. You have three guys that legitimately you could say all could finish in the top 15 or better. Definitely cup, but you know, Sutton and Marquise Brown, like I definitely think they could crack the top 15, but I think this would be one of those where if I'm doing a, find me a trade, uh, I assume you guys spent a pretty penny on we, Javante Williams and Brees Hall. We traded back. We had the one Oh two and we traded out of the one Oh two and we picked up some extra picks. So that's how we ended up getting. Yeah. And we, yeah, we took Brees and uh, Javante like back-to-back -back picks in the third, I think late third. 
Yeah, and it's it looks like it's an additional point for tight ends, so it's two PPR for tight ends, it looks like. And so your yeah. threshold for receivers can be a little bit less when it's 1.75 or more PPR because really you can erode the flexes a little bit with tight ends as well. You can almost add tight ends yeah. to the receivers and say, okay, instead of I need nine, I need now 13 total between the two positions. And even okay. in a start three receiver league, you could probably get away with having more like six or seven instead of nine. And you do have some tight ends that you could probably you consider. Could to be, yeah. Like, I mean, Gerald Everett, you could probably throw in as a comparable flex to a wide receiver three or wide receiver four in a two. Let's hope. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe yeah. as a ceiling. Yeah. Well, and I mean, again, like this is, I the don't whole... like him for the record. That was a Rocky pick, but well, okay. So think about it this way though, like in safe leagues, right? It's two PPR. Yeah. So Austin Hooper can go 50, 505 mm-hmm. in that format. That's 180 points. That's a okay. top 30 receiver. That is the equivalent okay. of like Devonte Smith. And you would go Austin Hooper versus Devonte Smith. So if you're in an auction, and you're just looking at that scoring. You're going, what's Devontae uh, Smith going to go for? It's probably going to be like three times or more as much as Austin Hooper. Oh, yeah. So, so in that in that wide receiver three, four range, you can really hack your way to cheap production if you get the right tight ends and fade the hell out of the valuable, pricey wide receiver threes. Because like they don't really have a ceiling. I'm not even talking about the like Sterling Shepherds. I'm talking sure. about the Devontae Smiths, the Jerry Judys, like those guys like even if they have a great year, they're 16 points per game. And right, okay. do the math, it, it doesn't take much for a 60 catch tight end to literally get to that point. And it could be the most boring, you know, we'll get to find me a trade, but it's kind of similar to that. Like Cole Komet, Cole Komet yeah. could be a top 12 wide receiver. Yeah. And Cole Komet could not even be that good. You know what I mean? Right. Like he's just a guy, but if he catches like 70 balls, He's going to smash like that's 140. Format, yeah. Yeah. So point. I think you you can get away with a little bit less, but yeah, I think you guys are, uh, you know, the first thing I looked at when I saw that receiver room was like, well, what are the quarterbacks? And I'm like, well, the quarterbacks could go to hell soon too, but that, uh-huh. looks, that does look like kind of like a Rocky quarterback room a little bit, maybe with a yeah. little more investment, but definitely not yeah. a, uh, we traded up to get a Joe Burrow or Kyler Murray or anything like that. Like it looks like you guys went a little uh, frugal on the quarterbacks, huh? Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, it was more about let's try to get more starters with, you know, being 14 and and start 11. Um, You know, just do, I mean, honestly, I gotta, I gotta learn too. like everything I do isn't right. You know? And I mean, Rocky has great success in, in dynasty. So I, I definitely want to, lean into what he's doing as well and, and see, you know, where it can benefit me in other leagues. And so I I thought it was worth doing the trade just from a learning standpoint, because there's no way in hell, if this was my team, I'd trade on the one Oh two. I mean, there's no, there's just no way, but, but then it's like, well, knowing Rocky's strategy and how he likes to do it and then seeing the trade and then knowing that the guy who actually traded up had the one Oh three, which means that, his pick is right next to ours, right? That gave us a lot of back-to-back pick options where then we could we could kind of do some things where maybe, I mean, now looking back, maybe not, but where we felt like we could kind of control some things and make some decisions where, like where we went Brees Hall and Javante Williams. Like we figured at that point, we go, here's hopefully two of the, you know, stud 
young stud running backs for the next couple of years. And if we can contend with this roster, you know, they can help us win. And if we can't, we could sell them for probably quite a bit if, you know, if we need to go that direction. So we figured we can't really lose going that direction. But again, for me to trade out a one of a 102 and then take two running backs, I like, I don't think I've ever done that in a dynasty league. So it's just, you know, you got, you got to try something different sometimes too. So I think it, it was worth it, but this is a great feedback. Uh, and, and you're right. Like, I don't think I've, I, again, having that few receivers, I'm normally building around the receiver position. So, um, it's different, but it it's, it's great feedback and it's great to hear. So I want to hear on the other side here then for, um, for Phil's team with all those receivers, do you think that there's any detriment to the rest of his lineup by having so many receivers? Yeah. I mean, I think the problem with a lot of Phil's receivers is there's probably four or five that I wouldn't have rostered. But I actually think his team, you know, so ultimately his team is going to come down to is there like he could fix his roster right now if he went through and just shopped any of the ones that we would say are outside of that threshold. The problem mm-hmm. is once you're in a league like this, is there going to be any buyers for those players? Like he could literally trade Paris Campbell, Danny Gray, KJ Hamler, Amari Rogers, Justin Ross, Khalil Shakir maybe Anthony yeah. Schwartz. I think you could tell yourself a story where there's a truther on almost all those guys I just named somewhere out there in the fantasy space. Yeah. So I bet you he could probably unload two, three, four of those guys in the next 48 hours. Now it's really fresh off the startup. So people that have designed their team a certain way, right. they go, Oh, well you trade me, you know, let's just say Daryl Williams for, I don't know, Danny gray. They might've gone similar ranges of a startup, but the guy that focused on like picking his threshold receivers and then stopping, he's going to go, well, I'm not going to trade the running back. You know what I mean? So I think you have to kind of get there with the trade market. And in a startup like this, you're the people that went with basically like the, the threshold receivers and then stopped, they're going to have no interest in trading for those players to begin with. So I think your market's going to be limited, but if he can slowly convert some of those guys to running backs, I mean, he does have a core of receivers where, you know, give it a year if a couple of his rookie receivers hits where he's got a pretty good core wide receiver room mm-hmm. that should yeah. last for another year. And then he's got Fryermuth and Pitts. I mean, he's only got one quarterback, but so one thing I look at going forward too, is if you're able to do this kind of thing in a startup, it, you can always get receivers in rookie drafts. Like there's going to be a George Pickens in every single rookie draft. There's going to be a Jahan Dotson in every rookie draft. I'm never worried. I'm never worried that in the future of the NFL, I can't turn my 112 into a receiver equivalent of Jahan Dotson. That's just there. If I have rookie picks, the worst uh, yeah. scenario is I pick guys mm-hmm. like Jahan Dotson or Sky Moore. And that's like sure. a that's a comfortable thing to think of where if I ever don't have enough threshold receivers, guess what? If I have three first rounders next year, that's the worst I'm gonna get. The best I'm gonna get is right. dude, I hit on like, you know, Justin Fields and I hit on Najee Harris. Like, okay, maybe I I could have taken receivers, but man, like these super valuable positions at quarterback and running back were sitting there. I'll take those guys. But like receivers are like the consolation prize. So I like going into startups where, you know, if I'm weak at receiver, I don't panic, but I also don't want to misalign my roster construction, if that makes sense. So I think he he's doing, he has a nice core here and I don't know if anybody's traded back and got future picks and stuff, but future picks, like, did you guys get any future picks when you traded back? 
Uh, from that trade, no, we did not. But we've done a whole bunch of others where we picked up um, some here and there. That's been okay. something. So I, that you can yeah. probably fix your receiver room with one or two trades. And like right now, if you shop Javante Williams or Brees Hall and you said, I want a future first and uh, a threshold receiver back, right? You could make a trade like that probably. Yeah, true, true, true. Uh, and mm-hmm. then any future firsts, if you have two or three firsts in the future, you can probably turn those into receivers. Then you kind of shift more into the right roster construction. So that's how I break it down. But I think you both did the opposite and you right. both probably left like, you know, 20% of the meat on the bone before you threw it away. If that makes sense. For sure. For sure. Yeah. I mean, the thing, like, I, I love building around the receivers like Phil did, but I mean that, you know, 14 teams and his two quarterbacks are Tua and Kyle Trask. I mean, a year from now, it might literally be nothing. Like, you might have zero quarterbacks. So, I mean, I doubt Tua's just going to completely fall off the face of the earth, but there is definitely a chance that he just is not good this year. Uh, because you know he's not good and uh you know we'll see but well you know it's one cool thing too about the portfolio is because you have so many teams you were able to kind of take this approach with rocky and be like hey you know what i'm going to do this maybe a little differently than i would have myself yeah oh 100 percent. and i think that's the fun of a playing a portfolio but b uh co-managing i co-manage probably about 15 of my teams and some of my most fun teams are co-managed teams where I kind of conceded on some of the roster construction things or some of the ways that we would use our draft picks. Uh, like we have a quarter, I have a team that Scott Stevens and I run uh, in Dogtown. So it's a, awesome. it's a team where we don't have any, we don't have any top 12 quarterbacks, but we have a QB room of like Stafford who's right on the fringe and Tua and Kirk cousins. So okay. we're literally going with like the high to mid QB twos. Yeah. The strength of it is that we have all three of them together, you know, and we really can try to hack our way kind of like the John Hogue approach, you know, like I'm not going right. to necessarily get a bunch of elite quarterbacks, but I'm going to get five QBs between 10 and 25. And I'm going to hope okay. I can play the matchups. Now I've been sitting here going like, Oh, let's try to trade Tua for a first let's trade cousins for a first. Like I'm willing to liquidate one of those guys yeah. Yeah. for my optimal roster construction. But then I've kind of realized like, that's not the team to liquidate because the strength is having all three of them. Strength together. Is having them. Yeah. And yeah, I, I get it. How many quarterback rooms I have like that on my 55 teams. None. <laughs> One. That team. Yeah. I'm like, you know what? Let's let it ride with this different team because you know what, if it ends up being successful and we hit on like the right trio that can win just as much as all my other yeah. holds, which are totally different. So I think that's a cool thing that you can build a different type of team and you can absorb. If this team goes to shit, yeah, you can absorb it because you have totally. 40 plus teams. You know what I mean? Totally. Like it's not a yep. big deal. So that's the fun of the portfolio for sure. Definitely. Yeah, no, I, I I'm with you. And there's, I believe we have three or four uh, co-managed teams in this league. So there's, you know, it's 14 teams, but I think we have like 18 people in the league. So I think that that's fun too. We talked about that a little bit last episode, but uh, yeah. And of course, I mean, the whole point really was not about, scott and rockies and opposite strategies but it was about putting andrew and bobby together because that's where the fireworks come from okay that's what everybody wants to see so can't wait for those guys to come back and tell us about how that's going behind the scenes so uh looking forward to that next week um all right well as we do you know we're just rolling right past an hour here so let's uh let's go ahead and do the uh find me a trade here i'm gonna 
break it down and I'll probably go right into my trade because I'll tell you this one is this. I don't know. All right, let's, let's just do it. So, uh, at Nerkaleptic on Twitter. So thanks Nerk for the submission. Uh, and, and thanks for the honesty. This is a great, great, uh, <laughs> breakdown here. Uh, this is a safe leagues league, uh, 12 team. PPR Superflex 2.0 premium, like we talked about earlier. Start 10, uh, one quarterback, two running back, two receiver, one tight end, and then you have your your three flex and super flex spots and 30 man rosters there. Um, so his breakdown um, or his his blurb is: uh, I am 95% sure I'm not going to return next year to this league, so I want to win now, like right now so find me a trade with no regard for the future that will help me bring home the championship so i can go out a winner um so i certainly appreciate that uh and and but but and uh i'm in a lot of safe leagues league not well, i guess not a lot anymore um but i know how they work and if you trade a future pick so i mean the obvious thing would be well let me just trade my 23 first and see who I could get put on my put points in my lineup, but you're gonna have to pay for next year. So, I mean, I guess that's a viable strategy. If you're like really sure you're going to win, maybe that's something you could do later, um, later in the season. But uh, as of right now, the tough part about this is looking at some of the other rosters, knowing that you really, I mean, I essentially took the 23 first off the table. I'm saying that if you know you're leaving the league, but you want to win now, you can't really trade your 23 first because you're going to have to pay for it, which is going to kind of pot commit you for next year, essentially. So I'm just taking that option off the table. Um, so let me break down the roster real quick, and then I'll, I'll jump into my trade first. So his, tight, his uh, quarterback group is Jalen Hurts, Carson Wentz, Jimmy G., uh, Cam Newton, Bailey Zappi, Ian Book, um, not a strong group there. Tight end Mark Andrews at the top, which is great, but then Josiah DeGuara, Kylan Granson, Ricky Seals-Jones, so really top-heavy, no depth. Running back, kind of a bunch of guys. Zeke, you know, should hopefully have a nice floor. Maybe same with Elijah Mitchell, maybe uh, Burkhead, Chris Carson, uh, Demetric Felton, Devontae Freeman, Kenneth Gainwell, Jarek McKinnon, JJ Taylor. Again, just a bunch of guys that maybe give you a couple games here and there. Um, maybe uh, these are not generally guys I have on my rosters for the most part. Uh, wide receiver group is probably the strength of the roster, though there are some question marks. Uh, Tyreek Hill, obviously changing teams. Mike Evans, DeAndre Hopkins with the suspension. Allen Robinson, let's let's pray for his return to relevancy. Uh, Jamison Crowder, Devin Duvernay, um, Julio Jones, Josh Reynolds, Curtis Samuel, Juju Smith-Schuster. So, I mean, there, there's enough guys there that that could end up being, you know, you could have like six or, or seven relevant receivers that could kind of carry the squad. Um, but, like, when you say you just want to win now and bail, like, two things pop into my mind. Number one, like maybe this isn't your ideal roster and kind of what, you know, Scott, what you were talking about earlier is you're going, if I have to make so many moves, maybe it's just not worth it to continue. And I'll just, I'll just go, you know, drop this and, and go do another startup. Um, 
you know, or your team is, is really top heavy or really stacked, but old. And so you're thinking, Hey, I'll go all in now. And then I'll, I'll just let somebody else rebuild it. But neither of those situations are occurring here. Um, so I, I have a really hard time even honestly seeing this team as a contender. Uh, I, I, I don't, I think it's a middling team. Um, there's definitely a scenario. I mean, you know, if you believe in Hertz, um, you know, I, yeah, Hertz could score, definitely score a lot of points this year, but Carson Wentz is really your two right now. I mean, unless Jimmy G gets traded or if he stays as a starter, I mean, you're, you're rolling out Hertz and Wentz, uh, you know, and half of that I'm good with, but, um, the, how many teams win championships with Hertz and Wentz, uh, unless maybe you're loaded, you know, just loaded everywhere else. Um, Mark Andrews is a nice piece, but if anything happens to him, uh, you're, you're getting essentially nothing from the tight end position. Um, and the wide receivers, you know, that's a, that's a great group. Uh, I guess you could say overall it is aging because, you know, guys like Zeke and Evans, and Hopkins are probably kind of in their last, even Allen Robinson, Jameson Crowder, obviously guys like that were kind of on the last, uh, last legs there, but I, I can see why you want to leave this team. But at the same time, I just don't see, like, I don't see one move. That's like, you do this one move and now you're the content, like the contender or a contender. Like, I don't even know that year. Yeah. Huh, I don't know. So I had a really hard time finding one trade that says this is going to um, this is going to put you over the top. So the trade I came up with, and we're going to do mine first because I think we're going to get through this one really fast. Um, the team Cookieville Minimum Security Orphanarium, which is quite a team name. Uh, they have Tom Brady, Jordan Love, Kellen Mond, and Kyle Trask as their quarterback room. So I truly believe this is this is highly likely Brady's last year. Uh, and, you know, he doesn't even have a, a, a whiff of a second starter there. Maybe not even a spot start for some of those guys. I mean, Mond and Trask, we don't even know if they'd be the backup. Um, even though his roster's old, he's he probably not going to trade Brady either because he might have the same mindset as you. So I think that's going to be a really hard trade to pull off. I don't I don't see him trading Brady because it doesn't make sense. He might as well just try to win with what he has. Uh, but if he is maybe looking towards the future because he does have some he does have a lot of rookies. So maybe maybe you can get Brady. I don't know how you get him without trading one of your quarterbacks. Maybe you have to throw in a Jimmy G. Um, but adding Brady to this roster significantly upgrades your, your QB two position and, and maybe, maybe gives you a better chance. Uh, you're still gonna have to make more moves, but at least that puts you in the right direction. So my trade to Cookieville was, uh, Deandre Hopkins and, uh, Curtis Samuel for Tom Brady and, Trey Sermon or pick any other of those running backs. I just picked one guy. I don't particularly like Sermon, but it's just more of, hey, he's a Niners running back who could maybe give you two or three good games, and that's more than most of the guys already on your roster. Um, so, you know, Hopkins has the suspension. Samuel, you're probably never going to start. So, you know, maybe 
get any last name value there, or maybe a guy that's going to play at least more than this year. Um, I don't see again, why he would do this trade, but I think it's more of the mindset of like, you need to target one of those guys. Uh, I thought about like a Matt Ryan, um, Matt Ryan's not going to be a difference maker for you. He's not going to be much different than Carson Wentz. Uh, so again, you, you need to somehow find a difference maker who's cheap. Um, but you need to do a couple times. So, uh, Scott, I guess let's get your thoughts on that trade and then, um, you can just go ahead and, and jump into your thoughts on everything here. I'll let you take it over. Well, I like your idea of, uh, trying to go for Brady. Cause I think he's probably the one attainable quarterback that has a top 12 or better finish in his outcome that you could probably get. And definitely from the team that has him right now. I mean, that team is it's hopeless for this year. So, I mean, Brady would be somebody that I'm looking, okay, who's going to give me the best deal. Um, I actually like the idea of, I don't really love Hopkins, but I think Hopkins is a little more of a fluid asset that I can probably move during the season, especially if there's, you know, any sort of drop off for Brady, like everyone's going to kind of know he's going to retire. His value is going to hint towards a certain degree at the end of the year to where like, he's not even movable for anything. Uh, Hopkins like is probably somebody, last year. Yeah. Like so Hopkins is probably somebody that, that this team could, move once he comes back from his suspension and i actually think it makes sense for that team to get jimmy g too uh, that's just another quarterback they can add for next year and i mean quite frankly if, if he's leaving the league then most likely you're striking out with jimmy g this year and i think at best he ends yeah, up with the seahawks point. which in this format is very very prohibitive for bad quarterbacks and i'm not necessarily sure on the seahawks he helps you at all um i think that that would be a move i think i like sending him you know, throwing Jimmy G and not Brady because yeah. that might be the best offer the guy gets for Brady. Uh, here's a lot of uh, wasteful roster spots on here. I mean, literally look at Ian Book. He played one game, negative points. Why is he on your team? Cut him. Right. You know, like literally cut. There's probably eight or nine players you can cut off this team and literally add running backs. There's a bunch of them on waivers that are like could make a roster. So literally make that as soon as waivers run uh, again get some of those guys off the team like cam newton don't don't need to keep him in book bailey zappy uh Demetric felton Devonte freeman jj taylor chris carson I mean, i'm cutting all of these guys i mean I, give me any live bodies that i think have some juice like all those guys can go cole beasley can go josh reynolds can go how about julio you know what? If you're I, trying to win this year and I wouldn't I mean, hold him. I've cut him in leagues okay. at the same time though. I also can acknowledge that if he were to sign in a decent spot, he's at least worth a roster spot. Okay. Uh, or more importantly, I think if he signed somewhere, like he signed with the Packers tomorrow, someone would, yeah. uh, someone would probably flip you a running back for him. Sure. You know sure. what I mean? Like you could probably yep. go and buy Jamal Williams for him or something like that, which would get you right back into roster construction. Uh, the other thing is his tight ends are a mess. You know, he yes. literally has one. That's what I tried hand. to find, honestly. Yeah. And he's got, I mean, he's got Andrews, but my, I mean, my trades were essentially, how do I flip my roster construction, but also not lose a lot of points. So I, you'll like this because I went and acquired Cole Komet from Greasy Nuts uh, and go. got Ramondre Stevenson as well. Uh, gave up Allen Robinson and Jameson Crowder. Now he's going to probably look at, oh, I'm giving up Allen Robinson. That's a win now player, right? But again, what do we talk about the tight end? Maybe, oh, like, yeah. If you think Cole Komet can be a top 12 tight end, like just top 12 in PPR, that's going to translate to probably equivalent points to a wide receiver two or better in this format. Yeah. I don't know if you can necessarily, I mean, a lot of people have Allen Robinson finishing as like a low end wide receiver one or something. And I'm like, oh, oh. yeah, 
I, no. I, I wouldn't be shocked if Cole Komet in two PPR outscores Allen Robinson. I think that's a pretty neutral move, and it gives you a, another tight end, which is going to be more valuable here. You only have to start two wide receivers. That's going to be more valuable than not having any backup tight ends. Uh, so I think that supplements right. your tight end room. And then you flipped. Uh, essentially, I'm looking at Robinson and Komet as equal. But mm-hmm. I'd much rather have Ra- Ramondre Stevenson than Jamison Crowder. So that's yes. where you kind of hide that value in. And you dump one of the non-threshold receivers for a running back that could be very useful on this team. Because I like his build. Love it. Yep. He, he has Zeke and Elijah Mitchell. Mm-hmm. Really what he needs is like 10 other bodies. And get rid of the filler receivers. So your trade, you threw in Curtis Samuel. Perfect. My trade, I threw in Jamison Crowder. Same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can cut guys like Cole Beasley, Devin Duvernay, Josh Reynolds. Like that, they're, they're not probably players you want. I'd rather roster running backs in this format. So that was the first trade, and then I did cheat and give cool. him a second trade. No, that's good. Yeah, that works out. And instead of cutting like Devin Duvernay, because some people think, well, he's going to be the wide receiver too on Baltimore, mm-hmm. uh, which you know, you can have him. You'll never know when to play him. You can keep him. <laughs> Uh, and I went and just got Damian Williams, who nobody really wants. But, I mean, Damian Williams is going to be a, a live asset on a, a depth yeah. chart. You know? Should so be, I, yeah. Damian Williams and then throw in Charlie Kohler. I love Charlie Kohler. I'm not banking on Charlie Kohler doing anything, but there's a 10% chance that sure. he ends up being the number two on the Ravens. He has Mark Andrews. In a pinch, you could maybe flex a guy like Charlie Kohler much more frequently than you would ever want to play Devin Duvernay. If you knew both were playing, and I, Charlie Kohler could get four targets. I'd rather start him on a three for 30 game than ever start Devin DuVernay. Yeah, in this format for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So those two moves, I think they he doesn't lose a lot of points. I actually think he has a good chance of getting that commit trade accepted because Alan Robinson yeah. is somebody that teams that, – that, and that the person's trade bait that wanted to move commit and Stevenson says win now players. So right. you get that trade and go, man, I'm getting Allen Robinson. He, he could be, he's definitely in my lineup. You know, I'm not sure if Stevenson or Cole Komet are in my lineup, uh, but I don't think you lose on points there. And I think you give yourself a lot more upside. So those were the two trades and love it. I think you need to do those two plus Scott's trade plus probably like two other moves and just kind of yep. go balls to the wall. And then, you know, you're gone when this team you're put in some work is essentially what I was trying to say by, I wasn't, you know, I'm not, shitting on this roster i'm just saying it's more than one move away you know like you're gonna have to do some work um but i think it's possible you know but those safe leagues too are hit or miss you know sometimes they're incredibly active and you could probably make six trades in the next you know two weeks but sometimes not there's a you know there's a team in here that i mean i'm just looking at you were talking about is, is this a meddling team that's what i saw when i looked at this league i mean there's a team in here that has josh allen aaron Rodgers, Derek carr mac jones Christian McCaffrey, then they have Cook, Stefan Diggs. Yeah, I, you're not Adam you're not competing with Zach Ertz, Darren Waller. I mean, it Zach Ertz and Darren Waller in this league's in the two PPR uh, smash. Smash. Plus, you yeah. got, you know, Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, Derek Carr, and Mac Jones. Like that team's never gonna take a loss at quarterback, probably. So like Oh, and, and then they have McCaffrey. Like, if McCaffrey stays healthy, that that yeah. team's gonna beat this team. We're breaking down. So yeah, I don't uh, know. Yeah. I, I can see why you want to leave too, but at the same time, like you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. Well, and who knows, maybe you put in the work and you make some trades and then, you know, you want to stick around. <laughs> you never know. Right. Yep. yep. 
man, that that is exactly the uh, I wish like if I had like a, uh, you know, the fantasy God said, um, you know, you get like three wishes. Uh, one of my wishes would be that I get a find me a trade from Scott Connor every week for like all of my leagues like that would be um, <laughs> so dope because like I, I mean, I get I get it, but like sometimes it's hard when you look at your own teams and like you had a strategy or you're doing something and then you're like, oh, that's so obvious. It's right here in front of me. Like, let me just make that move. So, um, yeah, that's that's incredibly valuable to have a second set of eyes, Um, not just any second set of eyes, but Scott Connor's eyes. So hopefully that helped you out there, uh, Nurk, and uh, appreciate the submission. with that, uh, let's go ahead and close it out here, and we're going to be just over 90 minutes, so not too shabby. Um, Scott, go ahead and uh, throw out your your stuff there again real quick. Let's make sure that people are following and downloading and all that. Yeah, good stuff. Appreciate you having me on. Uh, always good to chop it up with you. Uh, we definitely go, go down the rabbit hole sometimes and uh, probably could double the, the number of things we talk about on shows. No Thanks for the invite. Uh, at Charles Chill FFB on Twitter, uh, Dynasty and Chill is my flagship podcast. Uh, other other shows, Mannequin Chill on DLF, and then Dynasty Trades in Five on YouTube. Uh, then I'll have a new uh, new podcast that we're coming out with uh, shortly, and I'll I'll let everybody know where that is on Dynasty and Chill, and then on Twitter. So thanks for the invite. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate you doing this. Uh, I think we're. Well, I know for sure we're definitely going to have you back, and so I hope we can do that auction. Um, that auction podcast soon because i think that's going to be incredibly valuable um you know and not just for the listeners but for me as well and i mean that's what's most important let's be honest i mean this is for me this is all for me i don't care about rocky or andrew or bobby you know this is i'm i'm just here to learn from the best so uh but hey let me uh let me shout out everybody in the chat i appreciate you guys stopping by saying hey thanks so much for for watching for listening for downloading Give us a rate and review anywhere and everywhere. Uh, YouTube as well. We want to keep blowing that up too. I mean, we do do this live video thing, so we should probably uh, push that a little bit more. And uh, follow DAP Network, of course. Um, and follow myself. I'm at Scott underscore Sidlow on Twitter. And we're going to have uh, not only a couple of a more amazing guests here coming up, but we're going to do an all find me a trade show soon as well. So keep sending in those submissions. And with that for Scott Connor, I'm Scott Sidlow junkies out. <laughs>